It's May the 23rd. Let's read the Bible. Welcome back, friends, to this year-long journey from Genesis to Revelation in just one year. We hopped on the Bible bus on January the 1st. Here we are near the end of the month of May, and God willing, we're going to stay on the Bible bus until the end of the year when we finish the book of Revelation. Hey, let me remind you of something. Coming up in just two days, on Tuesday, May the 25th, 7 p.m. Central Time, it's going to be May Q&A with Pastor Ray. I'm just stopping, kind of think that out. May Q&A with Pastor Ray. We started this in February, Q&A with Pastor Ray. Did it again in March. Did it again in April. We're doing it again this month. We're going to be taking your questions. I'll be uh, I'll be answering them in a live video feed right from my office here in my home in Shawnee, Kansas. That's May the 25th, Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Central Time. You can watch it live on YouTube. You can watch it on Facebook. You can watch it on LinkedIn. You can watch it on Twitter, or you can come to keepbelieving.com. And not only can you watch it live, but we're going to we're gonna have it for you later. So we'll, we'll post it. So if you can't watch it live on the 25th, you can watch the questions and the answers. And by the way, the questions are all taken from the Bible reading for the month of May. Because we just want people to, as we're going through this, you're going to have a lot of questions. I know you do. You can just write me questions. You can put them in the comments on YouTube, especially. I get a lot of great questions in the comments on YouTube, but you can do the same on Facebook or you can write me an email. Any way you want to get your questions to me, we're going to answer them this coming Tuesday night, Tuesday, May the 25th at 7 p.m. Central Time, right here. Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, keepbelieving.com. We we won't be live on Rumble, but we'll post it later on Rumble. And in fact, we'll post it uh, live, post it after we're done. So on all those platforms, so you can watch it anytime you want. Okay, we're in the story of Elijah. We got a lot to cover today. So we got four chapters. 1 Kings 19, 20, 21, and 22. I told you the three key people for 1 Kings are Solomon, Ahab, and Elijah. We're going to see first today, the Bible says he was a man of like passions. He was just like us. We're going to see that today. Starting in 1 Kings 19, Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, may the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there, but he went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I have had enough. Lord, take my life for I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. Suddenly, an angel touched him. The angel told him, get up and eat. Then he looked, and there at his head was a loaf of bread baked over hot stones and a jug of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord returned for a second time and touched him. He said, get up and eat, or the journey will be too much for you. So he got up, ate, and drank. Then on the strength from that food, he walked 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. He entered a cave there and spent the night. Suddenly, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, 
What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of armies, but the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are looking for me to take my life. Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. At that moment, the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a voice, a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Suddenly, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? I have been very zealous for the Lord God of armies, he replied. But the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are looking for me to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, Go and return by the way you came to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you are to anoint Hazael as king over Aram. You are to anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha, son of Saphet, from Abel-Meholah, as prophet in your place. Then Jehu will put to death whoever escapes the Lord of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, but I will leave 7,000 in Israel, every knee that has not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Elijah left there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, as he was plowing. Twelve teams of oxen were in front of him, and he was with the twelfth team. Elijah walked by him and threw his mantle over him. Elisha left the oxen, ran to follow Elijah, and said, Please let me kiss my father and mother and then I will follow you. Go on back, he replied, for what have I done to you? So he turned back from following him, took the team of oxen, and slaughtered them. With the oxen's wooden yoke and plow, he cooked the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he left, followed Elijah, and served him. First Kings 20. Now King, now King Ben-Hadad of Aram assembled his entire army. Thirty-two kings, along with horses and chariots, were with him. He marched up, besieged Samaria, and fought against it. He sent messengers into the city to King Ahab of Israel and said to him, This is what Ben-Hadad said, Your silver and your gold are mine, and your best wives and children are mine as well. Then the king of Israel answered, Just as you say, my lord the king, I am yours along with all that I have. The messengers then returned and said, This is what Ben-Hadad said. I have sent messengers to you, saying, You are to give me your silver, your gold, your wives, and your children. But at this time tomorrow, I will send my servants to you, and they will search your palace and your servants' houses. They will lay their hands on and take away whatever is precious to you. Then the king of Israel called for all the elders of the land and said, Recognize that this one is only looking for trouble, for he demanded my wives, my children, my silver, and my gold, and I didn't turn him down. All the elders and all the people said to him, Don't listen or agree. So he said to Ben-Hadad's messengers, Say to my lord the king, everything you demanded of your servant the first time I will do, but this thing I cannot do. So the messenger left and sent word back to him. Then Ben-Hadad sent messengers to him and said, May the gods punish me and do so severely as Samaria's dust amounts to a handful for each of the people who follow me. The king of Israel answered, Say this, Don't let the one who puts on his armor boast like the one who takes it off. When Ben-Hadad heard this response, while he and the kings were drinking in their quarters, he said to his servants, Take your positions. So they took their positions against the city. A prophet approached King Ahab of Israel and said, This is what the Lord says. Don't you see this huge army? Watch, 
I am handing it over to you today so that you may know that I am the Lord. Ahab asked, by whom? And the prophet said, this is what the Lord said by the young men of the provincial leaders. Then he asked, who is to start the battle? He said, you. So Ahab mobilized the young men of the provincial leaders, and there were 232. After them, he mobilized all the Israelite troops, 7,000. They marched out at noon while Ben-Hadad and the 32 kings were helping him were getting drunk in their quarters. The young men of the provincial leaders marched out first. Then Ben-Hadad sent out scouts. They reported to him, saying, Men are marching out of Samaria. So he said, If they've marched out in peace, take them alive. And if they've marched out for battle, take them alive. The young men of the provincial leaders and the army behind them marched out from the city, and each one struck down his opponent. So the Arameans fled, and Israel pursued them. But King Ben-Hadad of Aram escaped on a horse with the cavalry. Then the king of Israel marched out and attacked the cavalry and the chariots. He inflicted a severe slaughter on Aram. The prophet approached the king of Israel and said to him, Go and strengthen yourself. Then consider carefully what you should do, for in the spring the king of Aram will attack you. Now the king of Aram's servant said to him, Their gods are gods of the hill country. That's why they were stronger than we were. Instead, we should fight with them on the plain. Then we will certainly be stronger than they are. Also do this. Remove each king from his position and appoint captains in their place. Raise another army for yourself like the army you lost, horse for horse, chariot for chariot. And let's fight with them on the plain, and we will certainly be stronger than they are. The king listened to them and did it. In the spring, Ben-Hadad mobilized the Arameans and went to Aphek to battle Israel. The Israelites mobilized, gathered supplies, and went out to fight them. The Israelites camped in front of them like two little flocks of goats while the Arameans filled the landscape. Then the man of God approached and said to the king of Israel, This is what the Lord says, because the Arameans have said, The Lord is a God of the mountains and not a God of the valleys. I will hand over all this huge army to you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. They camped opposite each other for seven days. On the seventh day, the battle took place, and the Israelites struck down the Arameans, 100,000 foot soldiers, in one day. The ones who remained fled into the city of Aphek, and the wall fell on those 27,000 remaining men. Ben-Hadad also fled and went into an inner room in the city. His servant said to him, Consider this, we have heard that the king of the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings. So let's put sackcloth around our waists and ropes around our heads, and let's go out to the king of Israel. Perhaps he will spare your life. So they dressed with sackcloth around their waist and ropes around their heads, went to the king of Israel and said, Your servant Ben-Hadad says, Please spare my life. So he said, Is he still alive? He is my brother. Now, the men were looking for a sign of hope, so they quickly picked up on this and responded, Yes, it is your brother Ben-Hadad. Then he said, Go and bring him. So Ben-Hadad came out to him, and Ahab had, had him come up into the chariot. And Ben-Hadad said to him, I restore to you the cities that my father took from your father, and you may set up marketplaces for yourself in Damascus like my father set up in Samaria. Ahab responded, On the basis of this treaty, I release you. So he made a treaty with him and released him. One of the sons of the prophets said to his fellow prophet by the word of the Lord, Strike me. But the man refused to strike him. He told him, Because you did not listen to the Lord, mark my words. When you leave me, a lion will kill you. When he left him, a lion attacked and killed him. The prophet found another man and said, Strike me. So the man struck him, inflicting a wound. Then the prophet went and waited for the king on the road. 
he disguised himself with a bandage over his eyes. As the king was passing by, he cried out to the king and said, Your servant marched out into the middle of the battle. Suddenly a man turned aside and brought someone to me and said, Guard this man. If he's ever missing, it will be your life in place of his life, or you will weigh out 75 pounds of silver. While your servant was busy here and there, he disappeared. The king of Israel said to him, That will be your sentence. You yourself have decided it. He quickly removed the bandage from his eyes. The king of Israel recognized he was one of the prophets. The prophet said to him, This is what the Lord says, because you released from your hand the man I had set apart from destruction. It will be your life in place of his life and your people in place of his people. The king of Israel left for home resentful and angry. He entered Samaria. 1 Kings 21. Some time passed after these events. Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard. It was in Jezreel next to the palace of King Ahab of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth saying, Give me your vineyard so I can have it for a vegetable garden, since it is right next to my palace. I will give you a better vineyard in its place, or if you prefer, I will give you its value in silver. But Naboth said to Ahab, As the Lord is my witness, I will never give my ancestors inheritance to you. So Ahab went to his palace resentful and angry because of what Naboth the Jezreelite had told him. He had said, I will not give you my ancestors' inheritance. He lay down on his bed, turned his face away, and didn't eat any food. Then his wife Jezebel came to him and said, Why are you so upset that you refuse to eat? Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite. He replied, I told him, Give me your vineyard for silver, or if you wish, I will give you a vineyard in its place. But he said, I won't give you my vineyard. Then his wife Jezebel said to him, Now exercise your royal power over Israel. Get up, eat some food, and be happy, for I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with a seal. She sent the letters to the elders and nobles who lived with Naboth in his city. In the letter she wrote, Proclaim a fast and seat Naboth at the head of the people. Then seat two wicked men opposite him and have them testify against him, saying, You have cursed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. The men of his city, the elders and nobles who lived in his city, did as Jezebel had sent word to them, just as it was written in the letter she had sent them. They proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth at the head of the people. The two wicked men came in and sat opposite him. Then the wicked men testified against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth has cursed God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death with stones. Then they sent word to Jezebel, Naboth has been stoned to death. When Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned to death, she said to Ahab, Get up and take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite who refused to give it to you for silver, since Naboth isn't alive but dead. When Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, he got up to go down to the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite to take possession of it. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Get up and go meet King Ahab of Israel, who is in Samaria. He's in Naboth's vineyard, where he has gone to take possession of him. Tell him, this is what the Lord said. Have you murdered and also taken possession? Then tell him, this is what the Lord says. In the place where the dogs licked up Naboth's blood, the dogs will also lick up your blood. Ahab said to Elijah, So my enemy, you found me, have you? He replied, I have found you because you devoted yourself to do what is evil in the Lord's sight. This is what the Lord said. 
I'm about to bring disaster on you and will eradicate your descendants. I will wipe out all of Ahab's males, both slave and free, in Israel. I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha, son of Ahijah, because you have anchored me and caused Israel to sin. The Lord also speaks of Jezebel. The dogs will eat Jezebel in the plot of land at Jezreel. Anyone who belongs to Ahab and dies in the city, the dogs will eat. And anyone who dies in the field, the birds will eat. Still, there was no one like Ahab who devoted himself to do what was evil in the Lord's sight because his wife Jezebel incited him. He committed the most detestable acts by following idols as the Amorites had whom the Lord had dispossessed before the Israelites. When Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes, put sackcloth over his body, and fasted. He lay down in sackcloth and walked around subdued. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself before me? I will not bring the disaster during his lifetime because he has humbled himself before me. I will bring the disaster on his house during his son's lifetime. This is just an incredible story. We'll get to the end of it in just a couple of days, but we have one more chapter here. We're now going to move from the northern kings back to the south now. First Kings 22. There was a lull of three years without war between Aram and Israel. However, in the third year, King Jehoshaphat of Judah Remember, that's down of the south. King Jehoshaphat of Judah went to visit the king of Israel. The king of Israel said to his servants, Don't you know that Ramoth Gilead is ours, but we're doing nothing to take it from the king of Aram? So he asked Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to fight Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat replied, replied to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people are your people, my horses as your horses. But Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, First, Please ask what the Lord's will is. So the king of Israel gathered the prophets, about 400 men, and asked them, Should I go against Ramoth Gilead for war, or should I refrain? They replied, March up, and the Lord will hand it over to the king. But Jehoshaphat asked, Isn't there a prophet of the Lord here anymore? Let's ask him. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is still one man who could inquire of the Lord, but I hate him, because he never prophesies good about me, but only disaster. He is Micaiah, the son of Imlah. The king shouldn't say that, Jehoshaphat replied. So the king of Israel called an officer and said, hurry, get Micaiah, son of Imlah. Now, the king of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah, clothed in royal attire, were each sitting on his own throne. They were at the threshing floor at the entrance to the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets were prophesying in front of them. Then Zedekiah, son of Chenaanah, made iron horns and said, This is what the Lord says. You will gore the Arameans with these until they are finished off. And all the prophets were prophesying the same. March up the Ramoth Gilead and succeed, for the Lord will hand it over to the king. The messenger who went to call Micaiah instructed him, Look, the words of the prophets are unanimously favorable for the king, so let your words be like theirs and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, I will say whatever the Lord says to me. So he went up to the king, and the king asked him, Micaiah, should we go to Ramoth Gilead for war, or should we refrain? Micaiah told him, March up and succeed. The Lord will hand it over to the king. But the king said to him, How many times must I make you swear not to tell me anything? 
but truth in the name of the Lord. So Micaiah said, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, they have no master. Let everyone return home in peace. So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I tell you? He never prophesies good about me, but only disaster. Then Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and the whole heavenly army was standing by him at his right hand and at his left hand. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab to march up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? So one was saying this and another was saying that. Then a spirit came forward, stood in the Lord's presence and said, I will entice him. The Lord asked him how? He said, I will go and become a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Then he said, you will certainly entice him and prevail. Go and do that. You see, the Lord has put a lying spirit into the mouth of all these prophets of yours, and the Lord has pronounced disaster against you. Then Zedekiah, son of Chenaanah, came up, hit Micaiah on the cheek and demanded, did the spirit of the Lord leave me to speak to you? Micaiah replied, you will soon see when you go to hide in an inner chamber on that day. Then the king of Israel ordered, take Micaiah, return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, this is what the king says, put this guy in prison and feed him only a little bread and water until I come back safely. But Micaiah said, if you ever return safely, the Lord has not spoken through me. Then he said, listen, all you people. Then the king of Israel and Judah's king Jehoshaphat went up to Ramoth Gilead. But the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you wear your royal attire. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Now, the king of Aaron, Aram had ordered his 32 chariot commanders do not fight with anyone at all except the king of Israel. When the chariot commanders saw Jehoshaphat, they shouted, he must be the king of Israel. So they turned to fight against him. But Jehoshaphat cried out. When the chariot commanders saw that he was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. But a man drew his bow without taking special aim and struck the king of Israel through the joints of his armor. So he said to his charioteer, turn around and take me out of the battle, for I am badly wounded. The battle raged throughout that day, and the king was propped up in his chariot, facing the Arameans. He died that evening, and blood from his wound flowed into the bottom of the chariot. Then the cry rang out in the army as the sun set, declaring, each man to his own city, each man to his own land. So the king died, was brought to Samaria. They buried the king in Samaria. Then someone washed the chariot at the pool of Samaria, the dogs licked up his blood and the prostitutes bathed in it according to the word of the Lord that he had spoken. The rest of the events of Ahab's reign along with all his accomplishments, including the ivory palace he built and all the cities he built are written in the historical record of Israel's kings. Ahab rested with his ancestors and his son Ahaziah became king in his place. Jehoshaphat, son of Asa, became king over Judah in the fourth year of Israel's king Ahab. Jehoshaphat was 35 years old when he became king. He reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azubah, the son of Shilhai. He walked in all the ways of his father Asa. He did not turn away from them, but did what was right in the Lord's sight. However, the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. Jehoshaphat also made peace with the king of Israel. The rest of the events of Jehoshaphat's reign, along with the might he exercised and how he waged war, are written in the historical record of Judah's kings. He eradicated from the land the rest of the male cult prostitutes 
who were left from the days of his father Asa. There was no king at Edom. A deputy served as king. Jehoshaphat made ships of Tarshish to go to Ophir for gold, but they did not go because the ships were wrecked at Ezion Geber. At that time, Ahaziah son of Ahab said to Jehoshaphat, Let my servants go with your servants in the ship. But Jehoshaphat was not willing. Jehoshaphat rested with his ancestors and was buried with them in the city of his ancestor David. His son Jehoram became king in his place. Ahaziah son of Ahab became king over Israel and Samaria in the 17th year of Judah's king Jehoshaphat. He reigned over Israel two years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He walked in the ways of his father, in the ways of his mother, Ahab and Jezebel, and in the ways of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, who had caused Israel to sin. He served Baal and bowed and worshipped to him. He angered the Lord God of Israel, just as his father had done. So ends the book of 1 Kings. Ahab was a fool, and yet there's that moment when he humbled it. He was a fool. He did worse than all the kings before him. Yet when he, at one moment, one moment in our reading day when he humbled himself, God extended his life. God showed mercy to him, to this terrible pagan. I mean, he was an Israelite, but he turned the people through his wife Jezebel. She incited, oh, what a mess. But what a, what, what a testimony here of both the grace of God and the judgment and justice of God. In the end, the dogs licked up his blood, just as God had said it would be. Though the wheels of God grind slowly, they grind exceeding small. Though with patience he stands waiting with exactness, grinds he all. Be sure your sin will find you out. Whatever you reap, that shall you also, whatever you sow, that shall you also reap. Ahab is exhibit A. He's example number one. So clear. When he humbled himself, God blessed him, and he turned away again. Well, what a story. Got to let you go. We got to finish, don't we? There is the, in here the story of Micaiah the prophet who would only say what God told him to say. That's all any of us can do. Just go out today. Share the good news. Give out the word of the Lord. Go out with a good word on your lips, with a word from God to share. God will bless you if you share his word. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what people say, whether they, how they respond. It doesn't matter. Just go out and share the word of the Lord. Let God take care of the result. Go out and have a great day. Guess what, folks? You've got you to come back because tomorrow we're going to start another amazing book, Book of Second Kings. Have a great day, folks. God bless. See you back here tomorrow.